Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week, we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question, is the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, the most overused song in media? I think so. I'm your host, Ashley Holly. Joining me today, Don Blatt. Could be. I don't want to say no. I don't want to say yes. I'll, I'll say it's a good option. Yes. It, it it came to mind because obviously the Ted Lasso season three trailer came out. We're not talking about it. It's not, mm. We're not giving thumbs to the trailers. But if it was, two thumbs down. It's not a good trailer. Well, I'm looking forward to the show. Not a good trailer. You know? Where's all the witty banter? You know? It's a very serious show, I saw that. No witty banter. No witty, you know? Give us some plot. Tease some plot. Am I right? Anyway, uh, on today's episode, we'll talk about what's in our watch history, covering some news, giving some thumbs to some trailers, (laughs) and doing this week's top three. Uh, Kicking things off, Cocaine Bear. Released in cinemas. Uh, we've already got a spoiler cast up at explosionnetwork.com. I, of course, wrote a review. I uh, gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I said, Cocaine Bear understood the assignment. A delightful time filled with jokes, grisly deaths, and over the top crazy sequences, which doesn't overstay its welcome, wrapping up in 95 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, really good time. I think it does uh, have an issue of peaking a little bit too early. Um, I feel like I'm reading some of the discussion around the film. It's like it, your enjoyment in this will greatly depend on whether you like the characters that it kind of revolves around, uh, whether you enjoy spending time with them or they just irritate you, then, you know, that's the thing. But yeah, I, I had a delightful time watching Cocaine Bear. It delivered on the promise of a bear on cocaine. Yeah, because... <laughs> Bunch of drug dealers drop, drop a bunch of cocaine in the woods. A bear ingests it. And it just goes around murdering people because it's high on coke. Good times. Dylan, what did you think of Cocaine Bear? Spoiler free. Yeah, it was a great time. The spo- spo- Slight spoiler. The Cocaine Bear kills the people. Ooh. It's, quite, it's, quite, it's quite enjoyable. Um, Yeah, it's 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 funny how the this setup just seems absolutely ridiculous, but somehow this movie makes it both treats it serious enough to make it work, but also every actor is in, in on the joke and having fun with it. I don't remember any of the characters, which is fine, but I don't feel like anyone bothered me. Like the characters were neither memorable enough or annoying enough. They were like that perfect sort of just fodder. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, they're like whatever. They're characters here. Are they gonna survive? Or will they not survive? Do I need to care too much about any of these characters? Not really. They got enough story for there to be something here, but whatever. Um, something we talked about in the spoiler cast is I don't like the way the the the, the change in setting. I guess the, the the end of the movie and just the general the way that all sort of um, wraps up. Really, like they do the whole thing where they like they don't know how to end the movie. I feel That's sort of the major negative. Mm. So, but otherwise, it's it's a very enjoyable time. Very enjoyable, 90 minutes. Yep. And it's doing very successfully in the box office, so pretty happy to see that. Uh, it made like $1.5 million here in Australia uh, and did very well overseas, biting into the Ant-Man box office revenue drastically. So yeah, check out Cocaine Bear uh, and then go listen to our spoiler cast over at Explosion.com or in this podcast feed. So we've just finished watching the Mandalorian season three premiere, uh, of course, you know, Mandalorian is back. He's got little baby Yoda with him. So Dylan, what do you think of the premiere of the Mandalorian? His name's Grogu. Um, it was Whatever. fine. It was a perfect, it was a perfect <laughs> acceptable episode of, um, no, no, Pedro Pascal gets really annoyed now. If you don't you know, remember, it's yeah. Grogu. Okay. Pedro Pascal. He's very protective of his children. He is. It's true. Um, yeah, it was a very mediocre episode of The Mandalorian. Not really what you want coming into a brand new season of a show that's been away for quite some time, especially after the the mess that was the Book of Boba it's been Fett. Like two and a half years, right? 
Yeah, it's been like it's been nearly three years. Ash, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I don't like the majority of the setup and <laughs> weird sort of plot things that happen in this episode. But it's nice to have Grogu and Din back together, doing stuff together. And Grogu's generally very cute, and um, there's a lot more color, I guess, and lively characters in this episode. Doesn't just it's not just visiting a bunch of sand planets with people where they wear gray and cream, and that's the majority of how the last two seasons went, I feel. So uh, we'll see how it all comes together. But yeah, there's one moment of that really I enjoyed for a whole of 20, 20 25 seconds. But um, yeah, it was, it was fine. Yeah, I th- I didn't love the episode, but I thought it was pretty solid. You know, uh, Grogu, you know, very adorable. Like ridiculously adorable. It's been so long since we've seen new adorableness. Um. But yeah, I think there's a lot of like fan servicey kind of elements. They're just trying to bring a character back, you know. They died off in the, in the show, uh, you know. In, and you've also got that element of if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, none of this shit makes any sense. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Uh, but yeah, I'm keen for the rest of the season because obviously, you know. Jin's really cool. They get to showcase of his new spaceship uh, really well, and they've, he's got a clear mission for this season. I I don't recall if there was a ver- like out of the box. This is what we're doing this season. Other than for last season, protect the kid. Yeah, it was get the kid to it was get the kid to his people. That was the plot the last two seasons. Yeah, get the so, kid to a Jedi. So this we got a new plot. <laughs> It's not trying to get rid of this kid anymore. No. Alright. Uh, so yeah, check out. Uh, we did a full episode discussion over on Holocron entries. Uh, so we'll be doing the show The Mandalorians for the next eight weeks. Yay! <laughs> uh, so I went to an advanced screening of Creed 3. So this is the third film in the spin-off series to the Rocky films. Uh, in which Michael B. Jordan plays Adonis Creed, the son of Apollo Creed, uh, who becomes a boxer and becomes world heavyweight champion and all that. Um, this one directed by Michael B. Jordan. I So before coming into this movie, I watched Creed 1 again. Great movie. Creed mm. 2. Bad movie. Enjoyed it more the second time. Really? You know, I think going in, I feel like it was the anticipation of what potentially could be there and feeling like they didn't meet the potential. It was a Rocky movie. More than Creed movie. I, d- I feel like that wasn't as much of an issue the second time watching. Mike went in expecting a lot of Rocky and it wasn't as much as I remembered there being. Um, of course, there is the element of Rocky. He loses the fight when Rocky's not there, but then he wins the fight when Rocky is there. So, um, you know, there, there's that element. But yeah, I enjoyed the Creed 2 more on the second viewing. Leading up to Creed 3, no Rocky. There is not a mention of Rocky in this film. And it's all the better for it because it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> so much fun. Um, brilliantly well-told story. Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. Jonathan Majors, uh, if he wasn't a star already, uh, he would be after this because he is charismatic as fuck. Um, looks amazing. Like, intimidating force so uh he and he plays uh dame anderson who was uh who lived in the group home that adonis was staying in before he gets uh adopted by um apollo creed's wife um so they're old friends uh they got into an incident in which dame got put into prison he's been in prison the last 18 years uh but before that dame was like a silver like a golden slugger or like a huge boxing prospect uh so he comes out and uh at this point creed is retired from boxing the first the opening match of the film is creed retiring um from the sport of boxing um, is this like years after two then like because yeah a few it? years yeah it, it's probably set a few years uh and then i think there's like a three-year jump uh so then uh yeah dame comes back into uh, Creed's life 
um, wanting to become champ, and, you know, things take a turn from there. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, obviously, with the absence of Rocky, uh, there's room for people like Tessa Thompson uh, and uh, Felicia Richard to uh, have more screen time storylines and that kind of stuff. Um, I think the relationship between uh, Tessa and Michael B. Jordan is fantastic in this. They like have really lovely, playful banter in the start. Uh, obviously, they've got a daughter in this film because obviously <laughs> they had a daughter in the second movie, but she's obviously a lot more grown up. Um, and them talking about how they're trying to parent her and that kind of stuff. I think there is a couple of story threads that maybe they kind of dropped the ball with uh, or didn't uh, fully develop as much as they probably could have. Um, but yeah, I think it's super enjoyable. The fights are fantastic. It's like, uh, it's definitely different to the other two films where obviously the first one very, felt very realistic uh, it felt like you were almost watching the fights on TV and that kind of stuff. That's the kind of style yeah, that what, I, Ryan Kluger was I, going for. Like, I always keep reading these things about Michael B. Jordan saying in interviews he's inspired by anime or some shit for the shooting the fights. You have no idea. <laughs> he, like, super punches people. <laughs> I mean... Does it come up bam, wham? <laughs> there is... Does he get in a corner? Like, does he, like, super saiyan? <laughs> His hair does not turn yellow in this movie. Okay. I'll say that. But uh, <laughs> there is some amazing artistic liberties taken uh, in the depiction of the boxing in this match, in this film, uh, that I'm on board with, I think, is a really strong emotional story. And I feel like, obviously, going into the second movie, that was the thing that kind of disappointed us the most, was that there wasn't this emotional connection between... Uh, Creed and the Dragos, there was like the, oh, you killed my dad kind of thing, but it, that none of the stuff was kind of explored. And this is a movie where there is talk of emotions and like talking through your trauma and like opening up and the mental health and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's kind of cool to see all those sort of elements in this very macho fight film. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's probably up there as one of my the best movies of the year so far. Um, so yeah, Creed 3. Go see it in cinemas. It's amazing. <laughs> Very cool to see on the big screen. Uh, Dylan, you watched uh, The Consultants over on Prime Video. Yeah, is this out? I lost track of this time. I'm on my holiday. Okay, damn it. Um, yeah, so The Consultant is a weird show. I'll give it that. Um, so it's, it starts with this, so it's, set, it's set in a game studio, basically. They make a, they make like apps, the app-based games. So like they're all the microtransactions sort of based ones, I guess, and stuff like that. But they're, um, the, the owner or whatever CEO, the, the head dude like dies at the start. This kid like shoots him, like comes in. It's like a very dark start. And then in comes Christoph Waltz, who's the consultant. Um, no one knows the where he's come from or what he's doing here, but he's come in to sort of fix up the studio and get things running back together. Um, so you, the main characters are uh, played by Nat Wolf and Brittany O'Grady, um, and they're like sort of best best work buddies or whatever. Um, and they sort of like start digging into him, and they they start finding out weird stuff about him, and there's just stuff that's generally off with him um his whole vibe's weird he starts wanting to fire people because they smell weird he um doesn't even under, doesn't like he asks the first day there he's like what do we sell like <laughs> doesn't even know what it is that the company sells and all these these sorts of things so very weird show i could i watched it very quickly um, because it, it's very bingeable. Like you, you, you'll sort of finish one episode after another and, you know, um, want to keep going. I think they're releasing week by week though. I don't remember how many Amazon dropped, uh, to begin with. It probably was their usual three or did they drop them all? Let's have a quick look. See here. No, they dropped them all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you could definitely binge it. All. I think they're like half hour episodes, so it's not particularly long, but, um, yeah, still my list of things I would want to do a review for. Just time 
lost me, but definitely worth watching for Christoph Waltz. I don't think it's going to work for everyone because it does get uh, it does get very weird, especially towards the end. And I feel like there's a particular moment where either what the 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 idea and like the themes that the show is trying to to play around with that either going to work for you or you're going to hate everything about it and it just won't work for you at all. Like you'll sort of just like disconnect with disconnect and find it really hard to keep going with the show. But um, it worked for me. Not the best thing ever, but it's definitely worth, worth watching just for Christoph Waltz having, I don't know, like in, in it, he's just off it in this to a degree. <laughs> if you, if you like Christoph Waltz being just weird, wacky bad guy, that's the show. That's that's the show. Christoph Waltz, the weird, wacky bad guy. Who doesn't love that? Uh, all right. So you also checked out a film on Shutter, Spoonful of Sugar. It's got anything to do with Mary Poppins? Um, yeah, it does. It's actually a remake of that, I believe. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, no, so this... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything comes around. Uh, uh, it's all about right. It's all about right, yeah. Uh, Spoonful Sugar is uh, a weird one as well. But so it's got this girl. I can't remember her name. Uh, doesn't really matter, I guess. But she, uh, she at the start of the movie, she like goes for this job. She wants to be a what do you call it? babysitting job, right? So she gets goes and interviews, and she's um, meets with the mother and everything, and they tell you about the kid. The kid's name's Johnny, I think. Um, Little Johnny, and he's got apparently allergies to everything. You know, he can't have, he can't go outside. Sun hurts him. Um, can't have, can't touch certain like nickels and weird like things that you'd find in a lot of places. Um, Who's like any kid right now? And yeah, can't touch any of that. He'll just like fucking can't die. Have gluten. Can't have Can't. No. Yeah, all that stuff. Can't have peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> everything. He's got like allergies to everything. Okay. Um, sugar, of course. In the tiles, maybe full sugar. Um, can't have sugar. He'll he'll fucking die. All this stuff. He'll he'll die. So they want to hire this babysitter because the the mum's uh, a busy author. The uh, the father uh, is I don't know. You know he's sort of disconnected to his child. I, I guess is the easiest way to explain it. But um, Lord, they know that the I just checked the girl's name is Millicent. Uh, Lord, they know that little old Millicent. She has some she. In this interview at the start of the movie, she seems perfectly fine. She's definitely like a well put together young lady who's going to college and everything. Nope, she's got a lot of trauma that she's tackling from the her past, and she was prescribed a certain amount of um, LSD by her psychiatrist to help her get through certain things. But she's definitely taken more than she should be every day to get on with life, and um, these things aren't all going to meld together very well. But, um. It's an interesting movie. I, I liked what it, it's, it chucks a whole bunch of things that you go, like, how do all these different themes, like, how does this girl who's, like, obviously, like, she's dealing with something traumatic that the, the film keeps teasing with, like, consistently, like, how are they going to deal with that, with the, the what's happening with the kid, with, like, this sort of neglect of, like, parenting and all, the, like, it, it has all these, like, ideas. I think they come together to, to form, like, a, a good ending i guess by the by the way everything sort of wraps up has these like good performances and everything um sort of the pacing's a bit off between the scenes throughout the rest of the movie it's only an hour 30 or whatever so um but yeah it's not like i'd say it needs to be shorter i just feel like some editing could have been tighter here and there because at times i'm just like i feel like the scene could have just moved on by now just to, to to tighten it up a little bit to help with it all but um yeah i it's a it's a weird movie it's not, don't go into it thinking it's going to do that whole like, oh man, she's on drugs. Everything's like really trippy. Like it's just, she's fucking, she's just on drugs. Like, and the movie plays it serious. Like she's just, it's just her life. Um, so don't go into it expecting that. But otherwise, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. All right. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, so watch season six of Drive to Survive. Of course, it's the F1 documentaries no season five season five of drive to survive uh they all blend together um yeah obviously fantastic really well done um they did it yeah i would recommend checking out our good friend simon blackburn's new project f1 pocket on instagram twitter tiktok 
I don't know if he's got YouTube. Uh, but he talks about it and talks about what important omissions they made. They were it fit this season. They got Max Verstappen, the world champion, back on the show after he kind of like, like didn't want to do it because they they kind of painted him as a villain uh, because he was he's a dick uh, or he was. Uh, <laughs> um, and now he's back on the show so they were kind of like being very nice to him there was like this during the season there was like a big rivalry between him and his teammate because he would he was uh he wouldn't follow team orders to let his teammate pass and like that kind of stuff um, that was all like kind of skipped over and not addressed in any way um other elements like kind of skipped over teams were barely mentioned or featured at all. Uh, but you know, the big depressing thing is this is the last we'll probably see of Daniel Ricardo on the show. He was a major part of the show, the major charismatic figure. Uh, then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the show survives without Daniel on the show. Um, but yeah, obviously they hit a lot of key moments. I think an interesting one is, uh, Kevin Magnuson coming in right at the start of the season. They kind of do have a little bit of the behind the scenes of them having to get rid of the Russian driver uh, at the start of the season because, you know, Russians, am I right? Mm. Not a great look to have a Russian on your F1 racing team um, going around the world while they're invading Ukraine. Um, can, I, um, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Like, I know what you're talking about is f1 and yes all that sort of stuff that's a cool story and all but i just saw a message pop up buddy right and then he asked what i was doing and i said i was recording buddy and watch this quickly he said that you won a boxing prize and yeah. then i said what boxing prize <laughs> and then he said you seriously aren't recording a bunch of folks now and he hasn't told you <laughs> and then i said he hasn't no i'm going to interrupt whatever he's talking about now <laughs> <laughs> So what? Like, there's like a they had like a boxing training like giveaway thing as a door prize for the screening, and we won it. How'd you enter it though? Everybody got entered into it. Like they gave tickets. Oh, like you what basic, would you win? It's like 28 days of training or whatever, and like a boxing. Gonna go? Thing. I guess I feel I don't want to waste it. I guess. <laughs> I can, you'll be the next Creed. I know. No. I saw no? the training they do. I'm not. Hope, I don't want to be pulling planes and shit. You can, ch- you can chase ch- chase chickens. Maybe pretty for pretty for packs. Make it your hashtag. No one's ever done it before. <laughs> uh, so yeah, F one. <laughs> uh, I hope Buddy gets a kick out of this. Um, so yeah. That you know, Drive Five. If if you if you've been watching it, it, I'm sure you kept watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also watched the documentary series Murdog Murdog Murders. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, a Southern Scandal. So this is a documentary series about uh, this Murdog family who are in this South Carolina town. They're like kind of like their family's like big a big deal. Um. And pretty much they, they they run the town. They run a massive law firm. Um the the dad has like connections on the force and all this kind of stuff. Um and then one night his son is uh driving a boat around the river with a bunch of his friends. Uh he's super drunk, he shouldn't be driving this boat. But he's refusing to let all the other people drive it or anybody else to drive it or them to go home uh with not on a boat. <laughs> He proceeds to like drive the boat into a bridge, uh, and then one of the uh, like a girl is killed in the process, uh, and then you know they try he try to do this massive cover up to try and get him not involved, whether it's like tampering with police and that kind of stuff, um, or trying to frame it, pin it on one of his other friends that, as if they were riding, driving the boat. Um, but yeah, as the court case is going, happening, proceeding, uh, suddenly the kid and the mother are murdered in their house. Oh my God. Um, the father comes across them like after he's visiting his parents or whatever. Um, and yeah, they've just been randomly murdered. Uh, him, 
taking a shotgun to the chest and the mother sh- like shot in the back as if she was running away or something. Uh, yeah, turns out it's probably the dad. <laughs> He's been charged. Um, so yeah, it kind of explores the whole family history, goes into, uh, you know, the, the, the night of the boat crash. Um, and then also di- like kind of looking into the past history of this family because there is other bodies that they might also be connected to. Um, that they kind of bring up theorize and that kind of thing and like kind of delve into how his this guy is trying to get away with murdering his wife and kids. Uh, there is some wild, crazy stuff in this, but it's also terribly depressing because obviously there's a lot of just these 18 and 19 year olds having to deal with this massive trauma of one of their close friends, like dying for no good reason, really. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting because the court case is currently ongoing. So it's really? kind of it of seems reason. odd that they would put it out while it, this seems like a witness tampering kind of thing, you know. Um, that said, they're in a state. He's being charged in a state that's like he knows everybody. So it's kind of a weird, weird situation. So yeah, Murtog murders. I would recommend checking that out. Alright, that's everything in our watch history for this week. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Uh, Big story this week was Warner Brothers and New Line are going back to Middle Earth with the studio making a deal that will allow it to develop more Lord of the Rings films. Uh, So I'm reading from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, The multi-year pact with rights holder Embracer Group AB allows Warner's to develop features based on J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit. Embrace Group, the Swedish gaming company, acquired the rights to produce Lord of the Rings games, merchandise, theme park attractions, and live productions when it purchased right holders uh, Middle Earth Enterprises last year from the Salt Saul Zanets company. Uh, the move announced during Warner Brothers' uh, investor call Thursday comes as CEO... David Zaslav seeks to assure Wall Street that Warner's is very much in the franchise game. Here, harking back to the 2000s glory days when the studio was minting money with Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, back in November, Zaslav said he, he initially floated the notion of a Lord of the Rings return. Uh, in, in a statement, Jackson and his Lord of the Rings partner, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens noted they were aware of the latest development, said the trio, Warner Brothers and Braces have kept us in the loop every step of the way. We are looking forward to seeking with them further to hear their vision for the franchise moving forward. Uh, yeah, so it looks like Warner Brothers is getting back into the Lord of the Rings. Is this an interesting move for you, Dylan? Uh, interesting. What a word. Um... It's a yeah, it's a move. It's a move that I guess makes sense. I'm not like surprised, but stuffing about it makes me particularly happy or excited either. Like I don't I know. I think you know it's I mean? interest. It's surprising because Amazon is currently doing a TV show based on yeah. the Rings. Yeah, I'm like one of the biggest shows of the 2022. Yeah, well, one of the most expensive at least. Warner Brothers wants some of that pie. I mean, they want to. <laughs> they're trying to find another way to fuck Amazon over. You know, they've yep. debuted House of the Dragon straight up against Lord of the Rings. Now they're like making more Lord of the Rings films. Uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care for any of this particularly. I I didn't mind the Prime series because it was a. They were like from the outset. They were like it's you know ages like thousands of years prior to the movies nothing to do with them we're going to leave them as is like it's sort of our own story we're not like adapting any particular book like it was all like to me they were all tick boxes of okay like you're just you're expanding upon the universe you're doing your own sort of thing cool 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 this that sounds to me like the version of warner brothers is going for is they may just like either remake the movies or do something that's closer to the movies like they're going to go for the thing that's the most like what can we do that's the closest to getting us the money the quickest Dylan. Legacy sequels. Yeah, legacy fucking. We're gonna get the uh, we're gonna get the Legolas Gimli team up movie that we all want. Yeah. We're gonna get the further adventures of Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get. We're definitely gonna get an Aragorn movie. That, that that's a given. You know, bring back Vigo. Uh, Liv Tyler. 
Uh, probably e- Ewan film, you know? What's she up to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? Gandalf film. Yeah. Done. It's the, the Lord of the Rings expanded universe. Cool. I had everything you just said. <laughs> Is there anything that would make you interested out of this um, game? No. No. Not, Not until you say something. Not until I say something. something. There's, nothing, there's nothing I can think of off the top of my head. I'm currently invested in the Rings of Power, and that's all I really need. That's know. all you've heard. Well, it's in- obviously, it's interesting because we already knew that they were making the uh, War of Re- Rohim, Rohim uh, animated film. Um, that's different. Which is still slated for April 2024. Um, so... They were still kind of dipping their shoe toes in the. Yeah, well, I, I, I still feel like that's different. That's... Do you reckon they made this deal purely because of the success of the Amazon series? Seems or so. this was something that they like probably had. No, if that series bomb, there's no way they do this either. They they don't do this if the series bombs. Hmm. If they, they if the series bombs and they're like fuck, no one likes Lord of the Rings anymore. Hey, they're gonna do this. Yeah. No way. I don't know. I, I've. Uh, I would be interested to see what cra- kind of crazy spin-off stories they could pull off. Because I'm a bit of a sadist. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We've had enough superheroes. Let's just get back into the fancy. <sighs> Give me, like, a Hobbit cooking show. Yeah, what if it's just, like, Samwise Gamgee and it's just, like, a family drama? Yeah. It's like what him about trying to raise his kids while dealing with the Mary and of, Pippin. Like, his trek to Mordor. Yeah, I reckon I reckon you do Mary and Pippin um a five minute YouTube <laughs> series straight to Quibi, actually, where they review <laughs> weed. They review weed. Like it's just like they just give out of five. They should have like a strand. they should have like a Stoner Bros movie. You know? Yeah. They should have like yeah. like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. It should be Mary yeah. and Pippin go to Somewhere in <laughs> more yeah. somewhere in Middle Earth. Yeah, Mary and Pippin go to Mordor. They're not going to Mordor. Why do you keep thinking Pippin? It's, okay, it's okay now. It's okay now. Oh, it's all fixed now. Okay, it's all fi- it's all fixed now. Didn't it all fall into the Earth? Yeah, and the entire country. Now there's a Five Guys there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. The other interesting, well, kind of interesting story that uh, has been making headlines, uh, HBO's Dune prequel TV series, Long Journey to the Screen, is taking another turn. Dune the Sisterhood, which started production in late November, is undergoing a creative shift, a director change, and a recasting. Chernobyl executive producer Johan Rennick, Rennick, uh, who had signed on to direct the first two episodes, has exited the project. Search is underway for its replacement as production has been put on hold. Shirley Henderson, who had been tapped as one of the leads, is also leaving. Her role of Tula Harkonnen will be recast. It is in addition to creator Diane Adub John, who was who had written the pilot script, stepping down as co-show runner in the run-up to the production, with veteran TV writer-producer Alistair Shapka uh, becoming sole showrunner of the legendary produced series. Uh, as June the Sisterhood has entered a pre-production hiatus, there are some creative changes being made to the production sort uh, to the production in an effort to create the best series possible uh, and stay true to the source material. And HBO spokesman said in a statement to Deadline, uh, "Yeah, so apparently, according to sources, the eleventh hour showrunner change put pressure on Shapiro and her team to make major rewrites on the fly as the series was beginning production in Budapest." Uh, Meanwhile, we hear Rennick's uh, alter approach did not vibe or did not jibe with the streamer's vision for the series and was a departure from the look of Villeneuve's films, which led to his departure. Apparently, he has del- since deleted any Dune content from his Instagram account, quoting his number tw- November 22 post announcing start of production. Dylan, are we ever going to see this Dune the Sisterhood TV series? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, like, I was reading this earlier today this variety report or whatever it just makes me wonder um like how some things get like how some people get hired and like they get the jobs and everything initially because mm-hmm. if it's if the major problem is 
oh, hey, your vision as director doesn't vibe with what we want as the producers of this series. Isn't that like one of the first things you would cover? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like, hey, you sit down for the interview. You're like, hey, I love Denise film. I love the Dune series. Fucking awesome. Here's my vision. Blah, 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 blah. I want to keep it in tone. Like, if someone comes on, they're like, look, here's my other movies I've done. I'm going to shoot it like that. It's going to be completely different to how you shot the film. And then you go, ah, red flag. We don't actually want that. Because the thing is, I've seen, I saw some people comments be like, this is like creative restriction and stuff else. Like, like I, I disagree on this account. When it's a, so they're trying to make a series that's a spinoff from a, a movie and everything. Yep. And them as a studio are trying to keep it somewhat cohesive in vision. Yeah. Whether or not you agree that's a good choice or not, that's, I don't feel like that's. They're like, writing the checks. That's, they're like, right, yeah. that's their choice. It's a bit different if that person was trying to make their movie and then the studio is trying to restrict their like actual creative vision in their original movie or something yeah. like where they got given free reign or what. Like I understand how like that if you're doing something that's part of a bigger IP, a bigger yeah. property, that you may want to have a creative through line for it, similar to Marvel or whatever. So I get it. It just makes me wonder how you get to this stage. How before do you get so like, far into the process? Yeah. Where that's you're why literally yeah. cameras rolling. Yeah. And then the, like, first yeah. daily, the first dailies come in or something and someone You're at like, Warner Brothers what? is watching him going- Why is everything shot f- from first yeah. person view? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the part that confuses me. So, yeah. Yeah. It just seems like this project is kind of cursed. Because <laughs> um, obviously, they, I feel like they wanted it done a while ago and obviously COVID slowed everything down. But- um, yeah, to have so many key people kind of walk out, uh, not pro- not a very promising sign. Well, I mean, t- to a degree, I, I don't think everyone is, like, I reckon a bunch of people walking and falling off is because they're like, I signed on to do this for three months. And now um, things have changed. And scheduling. now you're expecting me to poll, I've got this other project, like, I'm out. Yeah. So, you know, like. Yeah. No, that could 100% be the case. Um but yeah, I mean, maybe it works because probably odds are Dune 2 will be out before this even is well, I, I always finished. assumed they wanted this out after Dune 2 anyway. Mm, maybe. I think when they initially pitched it, I think it was meant to be in between. But now mm. that everything's happened. Because yeah. even if everything runs smoothly and they only just started shooting it, it was never going to come out before Dune 2 anyway. That's true. Didn't, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess other thing, Screen Actor Guild Awards uh, was this past week. Uh, lots of big winners. Uh, key, of course, to uh, the Oscars in just a few weeks uh, with the big uh, acting awards for films. Uh, best Outstanding Best male outstanding performance by male actor in a leading role went to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Outstanding performance by female actor in a leading role went to Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Kihu Kwan won outstanding performance by male actor in a supporting role for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Jamie Lee Curtis won outstanding outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, while Everything Everywhere All at Once, unsurprisingly, took out outstanding performance by cast. Uh, how's it, how do you think, do you think we're going to see a, an acting sweep for everything everywhere all at once? No, because that's not what I predicted. So it's not going to happen. <laughs> I gotta stand by my, well, I stand uh, yeah, by my, I mean, yeah, I, I think all of us went for Kate Blanchett over Michelle Yeoh. So I mean, that yeah. was yeah. a bit surprising. Also, but- it- if Jamie Lee Curtis wins, I fucking I I I don't know how she keeps. No, no offense to Jamie Lee Curtis, she's good in the movie, but I have no idea how she keeps winning, or even people care to nominate her over, um, bloody boss face, or anyone. Angela a Bassett. bunch of people. No, well, Angela Bass is one of the options. What's the uh, the girl Stephanie from Shoe. everything? Yes, yeah. Like how the fuck? She 
had a romance with hot dog fingers. I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah. Other interesting over on the TV side, Sam Elliott won for Outstanding Male Actor in a TV Movie or Limited Series for 1883. Uh, Jessica Chastain won for George and Tammy, which apparently is a limited TV movie over on Showtime. Uh, Outstanding Male Actor in a Drama Series, Jason Bateman for Ozark. Outstanding Female Actor in a Drama Series, Jennifer Coolidge for White Lotus. Do you want to make your usual joke? I got no energy left, Ash. Just move on. She wasn't even nominated, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> There's only one actor category oh. for dramas. There's no supporting. Uh, Jeremy Allen White won for Best Actor in a Comedy Series. Gene Smart won Best best Actor in a Female Actor in a Comedy Series. Uh, White Lotus won Best Drama Series, Cast, and Abbott Elementary won Best Ensemble for a Comedy Series. <laughs> Uh, also, the uh, stunt categories. Outstanding performance by stunt ensemble in a motion picture went to Top Gun Maverick. Interesting. Uh, while nice. outstanding performance by a stunt ensemble in a comedy or drama series went to Stranger Things. Also interesting. No, I, I guess the Top Gun one is like... Because you don't see really? any stunt people, I guess. Because everybody's on camera. All the actors are on camera. Yeah, but who's flying the people the planes flying the planes, I guess, are the stunt people. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know? Yeah. It's not as uh, cl- obvious, I don't think. Yeah. All the other, like, yeah. the people getting shot down out of the planes. I don't know if they actually... <laughs> how much stunts are doing for that. But yeah, good work. Stunts should be a category at the Academy Awards. Also at the Screen Actors Guild Awards... Uh, Sally Field was honoured with the Screen Actors Guild of Life Achievement Award. I figured, seeing as she was honoured this week, we should do this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Top three Sally Field performances. I'm just switching stuff around, putting in stuff, you know, normally towards the end of the show. Uh, so yeah, that's the this week's top three. Dylan, what is your number three Sally Field performance? Um, I'm gonna be honest. Look for all of Sally Field's movies. I have a very limited supply. Gonna be completely honest. Uh, number three, Mrs. Outfire. Okay. She's the. She's the mum. She, She's the, mom? the ex-wife. Yeah, I guess it's the mum. Yeah. Um, obviously, most people remember that movie for Mr. Williams. Uh, but yeah, she's a prominent part of that movie as well. So go for Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, my number three, she's in Winning Time, the uh, history of the Los Angeles Lakers. She plays the mother of uh, Sports. of Jerry Buss. So she's a schemer. She's really funny, uh, really delightful, gives a really great performance uh, in a re- really good show. Uh, yeah, Southfield, really good in that. Uh, Dylan, what is your number two? My number two is a movie I haven't watched for, like, since I was, like, 15. But Smokey and the Bandit, she's the girlfriend. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. My number two. Amazing Spider-Man 2. She is a great Aunt May. <laughs> um, obviously, she has great some great scenes there with Peter. Uh, obviously, this one, you know, she's trying to... You know, there's so many fun comedic moments where she's like trying to do the washing. He's trying to wash his suit. And, you know, doesn't understand. Lots of funny miscommunications, but then she's also there for him when you know shit goes dark, when people, when the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's my number two. Dylan, what is your number one Sally Peel performance? Forrest Gump. Mine is also Forrest Gump. There you go. Yeah, her character literally coined the phrase "life is like a box of chocolates." Yeah, his mother always used to say. Yeah, it is crazy that movie came out what nineteen ninety six, something like that. Yeah, she plays Tom Hanks' mother. Yeah, and then she's playing, still playing the mother role. (laughs) So many years later, she found her. 
She found her thing. Found her thing, you know? Mother. Mother. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Mother. So, congrats, Sally Field. All right. Uh, let's give some thumbs to some trailers. <laughs> uh, of course, you can find all those trailers we're going to talk about this week in the show notes, or you can head over to this post on explosion.com. The first trailer for this week is The Pope's Exorcist, directed by Julius Avery, starring Russell Crowe, Daniel Zavato, Alex Esso, and Franco Nero. Father Gabriel Amorth, chief exorcist of the, for the Vatican, battles Satan and innocent possessing demons. A detailed portrait of a priest who performed more than 100,000 exorcisms in his lifetime. Tell them what you think of the trailer for the Pope's Exorcist. Double thumbs down. This looks terrible. Um, so, like, this this dude's real, right? So, I do a Wikipedia. Sounds like a really inter- potentially interesting movie you can make about this Pope, right? Whether or not you believe in exorcisms or not. The dude was the dude was a legit, like, he did exorcisms. Well, he did he something. He truly believed he was doing. He truly believed he was doing. However you want to word it, yeah. So, he, like, he, there's, I'm like, surely there's an interesting movie here. Instead, they've gone for, like, the most generic-looking B-level, B-grade-level exorcism film where Russell Crowe's doing... I don't know what the fuck Russell Crowe's doing. <laughs> 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 Fucking Russell Crowe's just... I think this is Russell Crowe's first horror movie. I don't think he's ever been in a horror movie before, unless you want to count The Mummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the, I couldn't think of any. And I'm like, well, this is why. <laughs> this is... I'm going to double fans though. This looks bad. This looks really bad. Yeah, this is two thumbs down from me. I think it looks like uh, the Vatican-approved version of Constantine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it looks like Russell Crowe's in this this phase where he, he just wants to could do accents. You know? We all loved him in Thor of Love and Thunder. <laughs> He's crazy... Uh, is it is it is it a thing where like people tell him because all his friends around him won't tell him that he's bad at accents and he just thinks he's really good at accents? So, I I like, I'm enjoy listening to him, but it's <laughs> it's not a good accent. Um, yeah, it's just so you know. And then you've got this kid with the the most British voice possible. Oi, yeah, governor! Yeah, I'm fucking I'm fucking exist. I'm I'm fucking, fucking possessing yeah, this kid. Fucking possessed, eh, mate? Great. Get the bloody priest down here, or well, that priest. <laughs> you, you fucking can't. You know which priest. I'm <laughs> and then there's this massive conspiracy theory about hidden. hidden yeah, that, that, was, that was the part where I was like, "Oh man, you've gone. You've you. When you talk about jumping the shark, <laughs> we've gone I mean, there. It, it's we've like the there. mummy. It's it's kind of funny, which he was a part yeah. of. So yeah, uh, this this movie that only just got a trailer is coming out on the sixth of April. Uh, instead cool. Of Probably so look, won't forward, watch it. look forward to that. It could be fun. No. Be, be, be grade. Yeah. Matter. Uh, next trailer: Peter Pan and Wendy, directed by David Lowry, starring Alexander Maloney, Eva Anderson, Jude Law, Yara Shahidi, Alyssa Wapatak, Joshua Pickering, Jacoby Jupe, Molly Parker, Alan Tudyk, and Jim Jaffigan. Peter Pan and Wendy introduces Wendy Darling, a young girl afraid to leave her childhood home behind, who meets Peter Pan, a boy who refuses to grow up. Alongside her brothers and a tiny fairy, Tinkerbell, she travels with Peter to the magical world of Neverland. There she encounters an evil pirate captain, Captain Hook, and embarks on a thrilling and dangerous adventure that will change her life forever. Dylan, what do you think of trailer for Peter Pan and Wendy? Ah, oh, looked like a Disney Plus movie, didn't it? Um, nah, uh, not for me. I, 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 I sort of follow in the sentiments of a bunch of people have been posting their, their jokes on Twitter about the lighting and stuff. And it is a good question. Like, why is everything dark? <laughs> why? Dylan, like, it's night time. Constantly? Like, if you go, if you go for the trailer, if you go for the trailer, there's a shot. Like, not to go, like, full corridor crew, which, by the way, get off your fucking AI technology. Um, There's a shot of this where they're flying over a lake, right? And it's daytime. 
and there's a sun above them. And then the camera shows a shot from below where they're like, their bodies are all dark. But I'm like, but the sun would reflect off the the river. Light works different in Everland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, lighting aside, it still just looks very generic. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go one on one there. I don't know. Maybe some kids will enjoy it and whatever else. But yeah, I'll go one on one there. Sure. Yeah, I went one up, one down as well. Um, yeah, it looks fine. I mean, we've seen the Peter Pan story kind of a lot. Um, so there's that. He's in the green suit, just like the the Disney movie. So I guess that's uh, the Disneyfication of it. Um, yeah. It's it's perfectly average, you know. It would have been fun if you got to see a little bit more of Tinkerbell, a little bit more of Captain Hook. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot in this trailer. It's like, <laughs> we're flying, we're here, we're lost boys. You know, they get separated. I guess that's a bit different. Mm. Um, we're flying. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's... You know, interesting, most interesting thing of this is David Lowry's directing this, who has one of the most eclectic collections of films that he's directed. So he directs the film, uh, Ain't Them Body Saints, 2013, Casey Affleck, Rooney Mara, uh, romantic crime drama. 2016, he does the live adaptation, live action adaptation of uh, Pete's Dragon, very well received. 2017. A ghost story, supernatural drama, starring Casey, Casey Affleck, Rooney Mara again, uh, about a, one of the people dying. He just gets a gets a war nominated though, right? Yeah, but very different to Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Uh, then he does Old Man and the Gun, twenty eighteen. Mm. Was supposed to be uh, Robert Redford's last film. I don't think it was. Definitely was because then he was in Endgame, Endgame like a year later. <laughs> Was uh, he in Endgame? Yeah. For like a second. Doesn't count. 2021, he does The Green Knight. And now he's doing Peter Pan and Wendy. I think they're all very similar. <laughs> all very similar themes. Visually all the same. I think so, yeah. All right. We'll agree to disagree. Uh, so, yeah. Peter Pan and Wendy coming to Disney Plus exclusively on April 28th. April Next Fools. trailer. What? Oh, sorry. 28th. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Next trailer. Boston Strangler. Director by Matt Ruskin. Starring Kira Knightley, Carrie Coon, Alessandro Navoli, or Navola, uh, Chris Cooper, David Dashmalchen. And Morgan Spector, uh, reporter Loretta McLaughlin, becomes the first person to connect a series of murders and break the story of the Boston Strangler. She and Jean Cole challenge the sexism of the early 1960s to report on the city's most notorious serial killer. So, what did you think of this trailer? Well, I'm one up, one down the trailer. I felt like it was a very generic sort of trailer for this type of movie. Yeah. However, I'm very much looking forward to the movie. I think it's a good subject matter. Uh, Karen Knightley looks great and all those sorts of things. So... Um, I'm very keen on the movie. I like movies about like the genre of people reporting on things for newspapers, like mm. that, you know, that specific, specific genre of movies that exists. Um, but yeah, I'll go one up, one down. The trial is just sort of generic for the, the, what it is. Yeah, I'd agree. One up, one down. Generic is the right word. <laughs> it just looks like, you know, any serial killer kind of movie, I guess, and someone reporting on it. Um, I don't know. D- is David Dashman Des- Despalchin the killer? Can't I should that so, simple, right? right? No, that's... that's... So, Look at him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, he's been typecasting it. <laughs> sure, he's been typecast before, but why or, would he be the bad guy Also, again? if he was a red herring, that would be, you know, the same as Prisoners. You know, where he was a red mm. herring in that. True. Potentially. Yeah. If you, sorry, if you've bought... Spoilers. Movie. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you get an idea of what the movie's about from the title, but <laughs> it's about a guy who strangles people in Boston. So, um, yeah, 
definitely interested at least to check it out. So this is coming to Disney Plus on the 17th of March. The next trailer we've got is The Power. Uh, created by Rayleigh Tucker, Naomi Oldman, and Sarah Quintrill. Starring Tony Collette, Aoli, Ali Crivola, uh, and John Liguizamo. The world of the power is our world, but for one twist of nature. Suddenly and without warning, all teenage girls in the world develop the power to electrocute people at will. It's hereditary, it's inbuilt, and it can't be taken away from them. Coming alive to the power of the thrill of pure power, the ability to hurt or even kill by releasing electrical jolts from their fingertips, they rapidly learn they can awaken the power in older women. Soon enough, nearly every woman in the world can do it, and then everything is different. So what do you think of trailer the trailer for power. The power. We haven't we haven't talked about this before. I just dreamt it. No. Okay. I swear we talked about this like weeks ago. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll go double thumbs up. I think it looks cool. I remember maybe it's just when maybe there was a press release like weeks ago and I watched this or something and I just maybe. dreamt about it. Because I remember, yeah, a while back when this, when I first saw the trailer and I was Googling what it's based on and like reading about how the, the, the book like is told like from a different perspective and like did you have you googled it like no so like the book is apparently so because this show is going to have like more of a typical narrative structure right you know like lead characters blah 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 apparently the book is like set in the future some characters like writing and then it's sort of just a bunch of different people's stories it doesn't really have one person's so it's more like, like a history of yeah, I guess like that sort of thing. So yeah, like slightly. Yeah, so I thought it's that more was more like, like the the book World War Z, and then the movie yes, turned out yes, <laughs> yes. So hopefully this doesn't follow in that sort of uh, footprint. But um, interesting setup, uh, it, cool cast. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna double thumbs up. I think this one looks really intriguing. Yeah, I'm gonna go one up, one down. I'm optimistic. Okay. The concept is interesting of these of just women just suddenly being able to use electricity through their fingertips and like what does that how does that change the power structure of the world? I'll tell you because they can fucking electrocute anyone. Yeah, it changes things, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm 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 definitely intrigued. Tony Clad obviously is a big draw. Uh, Just them having this uh, the like like training sequence i guess kind of outside uh and her accidentally like setting her notebook on fire and that kind of stuff i think there'll be a lot of fun stuff and then you've obviously got this crazy person who wants to run their dad's gangster operation or whatever um and just threaten to electrocute people and that kind of stuff so yeah it's got it's got a interesting hook so yeah this is coming to prime video on the 31st of march electrical Kevin. yep Last trailer for this week, Swarm, uh, created by Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors, uh, starring Dominique Fishback and Chloe Bailey and Damson, Damson Idris. An obsessed Houston-based fan goes to increasingly violent lengths for a favorite R&B singer. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Swarm? Double thumbs up. Looks wild. I, uh, it actually, it reminds me of, there was actually a, um... I think it was a creep show. Um, that one that's on Shudder. I think that's what it's called. Is that was creep show, right? Yes. Yeah. Insane. I think it was that last series creep show that had a short, which was about like two people like being obsessed with like a star and then like sort of like trying to track them down. They they literally hear that the the star's giving birth at a hospital, so they sneak into the hospital to try and like meet up with their favorite artist. Like so weirdly watching this it was like thematically reminding me of the same sort of like obsessive mm. behavior from people. Otherwise it looks nothing the same. It's just like the, the setup, but um yeah, it looks it looks wild. It looks like a just I guess that sort of tongue in cheek horror comedy dark Dark, dark comedy horror, I guess, would be the, yeah, like, because it's not like laugh out loud. <laughs> I don't think that, um, yeah, really, really good trailer. I'm keen to watch this. Double thumbs up. Yeah, there's two thumbs up from me. Like, the the build up of this thing, obviously, it is clearly based on uh, Beyonce fans, <laughs> or at least it's pretty clear that the R&B artist is heavily influenced by 
Beyonce, of course, Queen B, uh, Bees, Swarm. It all makes sense. Mm. Uh, even the joke at the end where someone likes her sister more, uh, prefers listening to her sister. Yeah. Um, yeah, crazy. Some interesting imagery in there of like her mopping up blood <laughs> uh, and clearly like taking part- a dead body in a car. Yeah, I like that part where her friends like try to put it. She's like, no, no, no. Like, what do you got a dead body in there? <laughs> <laughs> the most forced laugh possible. Yeah, most forced laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, very keen. So this is coming to Prime Video on the seventeenth of March, all dropping at once. So damn. there we go. Damn, all right, damn, damn. Dylan. This week, what do you want to watch? Uh this week I want to watch Creed. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward this week. Yeah. Yeah, this week I want to watch Creed 3. I was saying right before I was going to record, I was about to buy him a ticket, and then you were like giving me this whole, like, I don't know, maybe shouldn't, don't fucking, maybe why. Try to uh, I got Koi, you. Yeah, got me good. So, yeah, this week I, I, I want to watch Creed 3. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. This week I want to watch Weird. The Weird Al Yankovic story coming to Paramount Plus, 2nd of March. Yeah, yeah, finally, us Australians can watch it legally. Yeah, even though you know we've had our blessing, the blessing yeah. from yeah, Weird Al was already like just fucking part of that shit. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Going to see Daniel Radcliffe doing his thing. Mm. Playing Did you see the, the collector's accordion. edition? That umbrella, I think it was umbrella that was like putting out like they had a collector's edition of it that were coming out, kind of like the full yeah. like shirt and everything like that. Oh, that was very really funny. Yeah, fantastic. All right, let us know what you want to watch. What are your top three Sally Field performances? Uh, and anything else Any uh, anything else that we talked about on this episode by going to Explosion.com slash Twitter. Jump into Discord at Explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars, and you can leave five stars. Tell people about the show or head over to ExplosionArrow.com. Check out our news, reviews, other podcasts. Just click around a bunch. It helps us out. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, thoughts with the dollar, head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.